This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, September 7th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Mathematically, it's likely that the biggest handouts governments give out are to the middle class. Jared Skorup with the Mackinac Center explains some of the problems with expanding eligibility for benefits and subsidies that, if they are to exist at all, ought to be targeted to those without the means to get it themselves. Governments take in money, they t- through taxes, they spend money. And if we're looking for where to cut, certainly it makes sense to cut the wealthiest from the teat of government. But a lot of states seem to be going in the opposite direction, at least with respect to many of their programs. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think we're seeing a, a trend across the states. I mean, this is true at the federal level, but to have programs that previously went to low-income residents and expand them to upper-middle-class wealthy residents, so things like universal preschool and college tuition being covered, um, as well as daycare, and expanding those subsidies, which, which one, you know, makes more people reliant on government, but also makes... I would argue the program's worse overall. All right. So what what are some programs that multiple states have expanded to to include people who I think most people would say should not be taking advantage of these kinds of programs? Yeah, the big new one is uh, uh, daycare or preschool. And there have been five or six states that have had universal preschool for a long time. Funny enough, they tended to be Republican Southern states. Um, and And now that's there are Democratic-leaning states that have expanded that in the last couple of years here, uh, Michigan being one of them. And the problem is, especially right now, you have uh, a hard time for people finding child care support. There's a lot of licensing regulation there. And um, so if you expand that to people who can already afford it, upper-income people, you're increasing demand there, which makes it harder on the low-income people to find because they, they can't navigate the system as well as upper-class folks. Yeah, and that seems like that is true of a lot of subsidies for the consumption of almost anything. Sure. University subsidies, another great example. I mean, higher income families have long been able to get into college, at least apply much higher completion rates, easily able to afford it. Their stu- their kids end up doing jobs that they can pay back the loans. Um, but you have states saying, we're going to have universal community college and some talking about expanding that to uh, the university level. And so what is that, what is, how, practically speaking, what does that mean for lower income students? Colleges are, uh, have less incentive to ensure that their students are getting help they need to actually complete things. Um, so, and they're, they're also drawn more to caring about the government subsidy side of things than they are uh, catering towards the parents who are paying the bills, who have questions like, what, what major are you going to be doing? How long until you graduate? Are you going to graduate in four years or increasingly six or seven years? What's the job that you're going to come out and do? If you're, if you're getting this just through where the federal government's writing the check, then the students care less about, uh, and the parents of the students care less about what they're studying and their completion, and the colleges do too as well. They'll just find new students to kind of get them through the door, take the subsidies, and not focus on, on how good they are at, at doing their job. Now, that that is a case where uh, these are programs uh, that you've so far described that are can be beneficial to low-income people, uh, and the degree to which we expand those programs to include the middle class, it sort of, in a sense, hollows out the purpose of the institution with respect to uh, 
advancing the interests of lower income people. But there are a lot of subsidies that the government does that are almost purely SOPs to wealthy people. Yeah. Well, and and I mean the the recent ones, which is because we've we've long subsidized preschool and daycare for low income people. And so the new expansion of those programs and universities, of course. So the new subsidies are almost entirely going to upper middle class and wealthier people. And I, I point out the number I know the Michigan's the number in Michigan, because that's where I live, but I think it's pretty similar everywhere, which is you actually have a pretty low percentage. Um, you know, it's about half the percentage of low-income families that actually are eligible for subsidies for daycare and preschool, and they don't take them at all. They're not using them. And so instead of the government saying, well, okay, why is that? How can we make the program better? How can we get more access for people? Um, they just expand it to a new group. And so then, you, like I said, you're driving up more demand. You're making it more expensive. You're making it even harder to find a daycare. And so you're you're not only only helping higher income people, but you're making the program worse for the people that I think most of us think should be the ones taking advantage of it. All right. What about handouts for rich people buying cars? EV credits is a new one. Um, obviously, the federal government and, and all kinds of other energy subsidies, things like subsidies to put solar panels on your roof. I mean, those are not written in law to only go to wealthy people. It just ends up being that the, uh, the extra costs for EV cars are so high. The only people even with the credit that are able to afford them, tend to be higher income. And so, you know, at least there's a public purpose for that, which is trying to cut carbon emissions or or the goals of people. But it just ends up uh, kind of putting more holes in the tax code that end up helping wealthier families. And then a, a kind of personal pet peeve of mine, which is universal school lunches. So school lunches were, were uh, federal appropriation. It went to moderate income students or low income students. Um, Michigan's become, I think, the fifth or sixth state in the last year to expand that to all families. And so all families are eligible for school lunches um, on top of other subsidies that we other we other otherwise already provide. This was supposed to be a temporary program during COVID. Surprise, surprise. Um, there's nothing more uh, permanent than a temporary program, as Milton Friedman said. Oh, so where does school choice fit? Mm. Because it... This is a to the extent that uh, you have state administered schools, though they are um, exist in in many ways for low income people to receive the kind of education that will help them advance their own interests later in life. Um, school choice programs, to the extent that they are an ESA or some other program, can be combined with family income hmm. to subsidize to essentially provide that subsidy for young people to attend a school that, again, lower income people couldn't afford? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I almost separate it a little bit in the sense of we've provided public education for everyone in this country for so long that trying to unwrap that would be extremely difficult. Now, I would support some type of system where we say, okay, we essentially have an ESA or this set amount of money that the state has, and we say, you take that and go to the school of your choice, or homeschooling, private school, public school, charters, whatever, um, and that that is based on income. I would like that type of system. The ESA one is you already have had where people are in this system where the government has entirely paid for their child's education outside of them uh, spending their own money to get out of that and go and uh, uh, take them to a private school. And it's also a little different in that 
most public schooling is paid for by local property taxes. So I think a lot of people are saying, well, I'm paying this local property tax. I'm not getting any of that back to take my child to another school. This is my way of getting it back. To the extent that this is broad-based, and uh, you seem to indicate that there are a lot of states that are that are doing these sort of specific expansions. Do we have a handle on what the total outlays are for these be- these expansions into the middle class and upper class for what ostensibly would otherwise be considered sort of welfare programs? Yeah, well, it's 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 really expensive. I don't know as a percentage of you know because some of these are are you're getting part of it funded by the federal government, others as part of the state. Um, if you if you wrap in things like like business subsidies or corporate incentives and call those as part of, of this, then it does get very expensive. That's the main uh, area driving uh, Michigan's new budget, at least. Um, but I think the the long-term expense is a more important one because it's very difficult to get rid of these programs once they come into being. I think it's really part of more crowding out of the private sector in order to put more of these things kind of under the public sector. And that often will raise the costs across all the way across the board. If you're adding these subsidies, when you add government subsidies for universities, it makes universities more expensive. When you add subsidies for preschool, it makes preschool more expensive. And so if you combine the public costs with the new increased private costs, I mean, it's going to be enormous over time as this, as this continues to take part. And uh, the difficulty of unwinding those programs becomes enormous. Yeah, you just you you've created a new interest group for it. Um, it trying to take that away is incredibly difficult, and it, it just gets to the basic point I think, which even people on the right side of the spectrum and conservative libertarians of what is the role of government. But really, everyone wrestles with that. I think even most people on the left they don't want government doing everything, um, and I think that as you increase and add more of these ways where government is the main uh, person paying for it, yeah, it gets away from the public person. Uh, purpose, which is it should be limited at lower income people who actually need help. It should not just be a program of, we know you don't need help. We're still going to pay for your kid's school lunch. We're still going to pay for preschool. It, it feels like COVID, uh, the the handouts that the states and feds did during COVID uh, might have short-circuited a lot of people's thinking about mm-hmm. what the purpose of government is. There was such an increase in spending. I think everybody got a piece of that. And uh, unfortunately, kind of get get addicted to it. And, um, you know, by the time we start seeing the the harm this is, does, which is, well, why is preschool? Yeah, okay, I'm getting more subsidies, but I'm not able to find any preschools. More, fewer of them are operating or their spots are all taken up. I mean, that's the cost that ultimately comes from, from all these things. We're service. Uh, to, to what extent do you suspect that program expansions, uh, especially when you're subsidizing the private consumption of some service, that that actually does invite more regulation into that space. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you have a lot of these groups that were the ones pushing for the program. So you had preschool groups pushing obviously for more funding for them. You have school groups that are pushing for more funding for school lunches. Any corporate incentives are, are pushed by those groups. Uh, And then of course, once that follows, it's, and of course, our company should be the one with the contract for the lunches. We should be the types of preschools that get these lunches, not these other ones that are less regulated. So I think the regulation on it naturally follows. And of course, when government's funding it, that always brings more yeah. regulation. Yeah. And it's it's the uh, unfortunate, happy relationship between the government and the regulated to uh, 
crush upstarts that yeah. might might uh, cut into those bottom lines. Rent rent seeking 101. Jarrett Skorup is with Michigan's Mackinac Center. We spoke last month in Chicago. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening. <laughs>